What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Uncut Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I apologize for the hiatus. Just was a busy time for me over the past couple weeks since the conclusion of the World Series. We did find our Atlanta Braves to uh, take home their first championship in 26 years. Exciting time for that franchise and for that fan base. So congratulations to them. But now we are firmly in the offseason and there are things happening um, from a fantasy baseball standpoint. Uh, If you can believe it, there are already early drafts happening in the NFBC. We have seven that have already concluded. So today we're going to draw some data from, you know, some of the early rounds. What's going on? What are some of the trends? And uh, talk, you know, about a few players. You know, I think some of the expectations we had going in, um, they're coming to fruition. There was, you know, certain players we expected to be moving up boards and you're finding in these early numbers that that is the case. Um, but we do have a few baseball-relevant things that I wanted to tie in as well. Um, so before we jump into that data, let's talk about a couple of big signings that have happened really in the past few days. Um, the first major signing being... Jose Barrios signing an extension with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, He gets a seven-year deal with $131 million. And really, he had his best season thus far. Accumulated 12 wins between Toronto and Minnesota. 3.52 ERA, 1.06 whip with 204 Ks and 192 innings. Next season is age 28 season, and I'm really curious to see where people are going to be drafting him going into 2022. The underlying numbers really suggested he overperformed a bit. Uh, His XERA was higher than his actual ERA, so maybe a bit of good luck and things breaking right for Jose. Um, He doesn't walk a lot of guys, and uh, one thing he does really well is he has a really high chase rate. So he's getting guys to, you know, chase those pitches that are out of the zone. He's keeping extra guys off base by limiting the walks, and so that might be contributing to the lower um, actual ERA. Uh, The truth is he's really just a quality major leaguer, and I think for $18 million a year, which is the annual annual average value of this deal, um, you know, you really could be doing a lot worse. There are teams that are paying guys more money than that who do perform worse. So I think he's been healthy most of his career, Availability has been something that he has been very good at. And he has, you know, made 30-plus starts three of the past four seasons. The one he didn't was 2020, so we can't really blame him for that. And uh, I think the key reason that the Blue Jays are bringing him back is because they need that consistency in their rotation. You know, there was a lot of question marks. And Robbie Ray is a free agent. Nate Pearson, you know, is he going to be healthy and get, get it all put together? They do have Hunjin Ryu, um, but now they can add this piece and say, you know, going forward, Jose Barrios is potentially their ace for the time being. So I think it's a good uh, extension, a good signing for them. The next deal that's a little bit more uh, mid-tier, we'll say, is uh, Eduardo Rodriguez signing a five-year deal worth $77 million with the Detroit Tigers. And this team kind of came out of nowhere um, really exceeded expectations and, you know, had a lot of young guys getting some big league bats and throwing big league innings. And so now they're going to start to shore up and fill in the uh, pieces here with, 
major league talent, guys that have been doing it for a while. Um, they're also in talks currently, you know, from reports. Uh, I'm basing that off of reports that they are pursuing Carlos Correa as well. So they're they're going to be spending some money, it looks like. Um, but back to this, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez had another uh, league average season, I would say, on the surface. Uh, 4.52 ERA, 1.39 whip, 185 Ks, and 157 two innings he did accumulate 13 wins for the Red Sox and really was a steady contributor for them over the past three seasons really sets the free agent market at a high level I feel like because I think he's more of that mid-range you know guy that when healthy is going to pitch pretty well a lot of the time um, so the fact that he's getting a valuation like this is pretty interesting we'll have to see what some of these other um, pitchers AAVs end up being when they start signing deals, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, all those guys. Um, he does have a five-pitch mix, and he uses every pitch at least 8% of the time. So I think using different pitches on different days really keeps hitters off balance. Um, one thing he does, he did do well over you know the last season was that he pitched his highest first pitch strike rate. At 63.6%. It's the high mark of his career. I think, you know, making that tangible change, getting ahead in the count, combined with throwing a lot of strikes, uh, he definitely likes to live in the zone. It's finally starting to show up in some of his overall categories. Um, the K percentage also was the highest for his career at 27.4%. And I think the XERA demonstrates that there may have been a, bad, a little bit of bad luck going on with Eduardo Rodriguez. His expected ERA was 3.5, which is a stark difference between his actual 4.52. So um, there could be better days on the horizon for Eduardo Rodriguez. He's getting out of Boston, going into a pitcher's park in Detroit, and um, playing on an up-and-coming team. So hopefully that bows well for well for him. You know, we're going into the age 29 season. And I think with health, there could be another level to Eduardo Rodriguez and. I'm excited to see where he goes in drafts. I know, you know, early numbers looks like he's, you know, outside the top 150, but maybe he deserves to be a little bit higher. You know, that part of that valuation might be baking in. They didn't, we didn't know where he was going up until, you know, the past 24 hours. So uh, that'll be interesting to see what happens with Eduardo Rodriguez. And then the last signing, this one just came down earlier today, was uh, Noah Syndergaard signed a one-year $21 million deal with the Los Angeles Angels. Um, and, I, you know, this is kind of the ultimate prove-it deal, right? Because um, we really haven't seen a lot of Noah Syndergaard over the past couple years. Um 2021 especially was just kind of a lost season. He did have Tommy John surgery last year, and then early on in the season he suffered a setback, you know, kind of stopped his throwing program. And once he started to ramp things back up, then he tested positive for COVID, and he had to kind of start the whole process over again. So he did end up coming back really late in the season, pitched a couple of innings for the Mets, um, and, you know, once they were bounced from playoff contention, there really was no reason to kind of push him any further. Really, we can't draw any conclusions on what we saw. Uh, the velo was a little bit down, but he only threw 26 pitches, so who really knows. But the offseason commences. He rejects the qualifying offer from the Mets and then today signs with the Angels. Uh, at this moment, that 
um, deal is still pending a physical, by the way. So um, it's not necessarily a done deal just yet. But uh, going into age 29, you know, he suffered a bunch of injuries, but they're just there's a little mystique with him. There's a little, you know, something left to behold because, you know, when this guy's right and healthy, he just throws really hard he's just a dominant guy when he's healthy and grooving so I think um, I think this will be you know kind of a boomer bust play for the Angels um, his availability is important so I don't know from a fantasy baseball standpoint if we can really invest heavily in Syndergaard you know it's been a long time since his Tommy John surgery um, so he's had plenty of time to rest and recoup and now obviously this whole offseason to make a comeback, but I kind of want to see a little bit of what's going on in spring training, see him make a few starts, get through those starts healthy before I'm really going to want to invest heavily in him. So I think right now it's kind of a wait and see. Um, could be an interesting signing uh, playing in the AL West and for the Angels. So interesting stuff there with Noah Syndergaard. Now we're going to move on and uh, talk about some early ADP. So I kind of alluded to it earlier, but the National Fantasy Baseball Championship, the NFBC, uh, has already completed seven drafts, if you can believe it. And um, we got some early ADP numbers. So we're going to kind of grind through that stuff. I'm really trying to do the first five rounds or so. We're going to kind of walk through this. And I'm not going to talk in depth about every player. My plan is to do, you know, player profiles throughout the offseason here, but I do want to highlight some of the guys that maybe we aren't talking about as much, um, you know, more in depth. So the first two guys off the board in every draft, this is a little bit of a surprise, but Fernando Tatis Jr. has gone number one in all seven drafts so far, and Trey Turner has been number two, and I find that pretty interesting. Um, You know, they're just, you know, those guys are obviously – maybe the highest ceiling plays. I think Trey Turner a little less with the power, a little more with the speed. And then Tatis obviously more on the power side. Um, Trey Turner also is going to have a little bit of a higher average. So it's kind of like pick your pick your poison. You know, what do you think um, your personal preference is? And that's kind of who you go with. As we kind of work thereafter, you know, Juan Soder's your consensus number three and Vlad Jr., Number four, I don't think there's a ton of surprises there. You know, in the NFBC, you you're entered in a lot of overall contests, so you want to get some of those big boom plays. And obviously, if you took Vladdy this past year, a lot of teams that drafted him cashed. So teams did very well drafting Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I'm not surprised that he's in the first round. I think you know number four might be a little bit high, but that's just that's just personally for me. I think the lack of steals is um, you know I don't know if I could take him that high, but. I understand why people do. So Juan Soto, obviously, um, just all-around great offensive player. So I see why people are taking him three. Uh, Bo Bichette comes in at five. And then we have Jose Ramirez at six. So your top six, you know, a couple middle infield options, two outfielders, and then a first baseman and third baseman. We do see Shohei Otani as your number seven. And, um, I'm, you know, he's eligible to be a pitcher. Um he didn't get enough starts in the outfield to pl- get outfield eligibility, which sucks because you need to, you know, use your utility spot for him. But I don't know any other utility that's gonna, you know, hit 40 home runs but also steal 20 bases. So I understand why he's getting moved up this high. I don't really think we can bake in the pitcher value from him. 
in the NFBC because these lineups lock weekly um, on the pitching side. So you can't plug them in for a start, take them out, and then you get the hitter stats out of them. So I think week in, week out, you got to kind of just put them in your utility and um, just reap the benefits of the hitting categories and you're not really going to get to use the benefit of him as a pitcher. Um, I don't really, like I said, love that he's utility only because it just locks him into that one spot. But, you know, he's probably the number one. He is the number one at that position. So um, no arguments uh, no arguments on my side there. We see our first pitchers come off the board back-to-back. Garrett Cole and Corbin Burns are going eight and nine. Um, you know, Burns... A little bit of a surprise to see him uh, moving into the first round, but there's a lot of confidence here. Um, I think there's a potential for him to be the number one overall pitcher because he's going to be playing in the NL Central, which, you know, the Cubs are a hot mess. The Pirates still look like they're a long ways off. And now we see the Reds are starting to tear it down as well. So I just, there could be a lot of cakewalk matchups for him. He could, you know, potentially have somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 starts against those three teams. So it could be a really dominant season for Corbin Burns. Um, And we'll have to see, you know, um, what those other teams do. But right now it's just not looking good. He's going to be in a pretty easy division. So he could kind of roll over those guys pretty simply. Uh, And then at number 10, we have Mookie Betts. 11, Ronald Acuna. And this is kind of interesting because obviously his – his value right now has got to be tied to his injury status. Obviously, if he's um, fully healthy, he's in the conversation for number one overall. But right now, he's going 12th. And um, based on the most recent information we have, he was out in the media saying that you know his expectation is to come back in May. Um, and he suffered his torn ACL in July. So... 11 months sounds like the right amount of time to get right from that injury. Um, Obviously, you would love to be hearing that he's ready for opening day, but I don't know if you can move him this high, be taking him with your first overall pick and not get 30-plus games out of him. You know, that's, you know, it's a big chunk of the season. So I I think that's kind of interesting that people are moving him up this high. His actual, his highest pick, someone took him fourth overall. So I don't know if I really vibe with that per se but just an interesting interesting thing here i think his evaluation is going to change as we learn more and more about his injury status so something to definitely stay tuned to there ronald acuna 11 mookie bets at 10 like i said and then walker bueller coming in to round out the first round at 12 and um you know a really solid season for walker bueller um, and, you know, again, not surprised by this valuation up and budding star. Um, but in, interesting that we get three pitchers, technically four, that are pitcher eligible in the first round. Again, I'm not really thinking Shohei or, you know, considering Shohei as a starter. I think you have to purely value him as a hitter. But, you know, this is similar to what we've seen in years before. There's, you know, usually three or four pitchers that, you know, kind of make their way into the first round. So I'm curious to see as we get closer to the beginning of the actual season, if there's more pitchers being pushed up. As you'll see in the second round, we get, you know, a few more guys that have the potential to be, uh, you know, 
potentially number one pitcher in fantasy baseball, but definitely first round worthy. And some of the injury stuff and other things going on with some of these guys in the first round could move them up or down. But overall, no quarrels, no qualms. You know, these are 12 great players, and I think most people are happy to take um, any of these guys to, you know, kind of anchor your roster. We start to move into the second round, and number 13 off the board is Kyle Tucker. This is a guy that, you know, I'm personally very excited about. Just, you know, I saw him play here when they came to San Diego, and of course, there's a guy heckling him in the stands, making some Justin Tucker Baltimore kicker reference and talking crap about that. Of course, uh, his third at bat, I believe it was in the seventh inning, he just pokes one right over our heads, probably 410 feet. Really sweet swing, natural-looking swing. He's fast, um, plays solid defense, all-around great player. And so to see that power-speed combo – and, you know, from a particularly young player, um, a guy that's really going to get his first. Well, last year he played full time, but he's going to start to become the focal point of this of this team and this offense. He's going to be hitting right in the middle of that lineup. So, uh, you know, I'm really excited to see what, you know, the numbers look like for him next year. This past season, 30 home runs, 92 RBIs, 83 runs, 294 average, and 15 stolen bases. Like, he's going to be a contributor for you in every way. Um, so I don't think teams should hesitate to uh, pick Kyle Tucker here. He could maybe even find his way into the first round. Um, and, you know, we'll just have to see. But definitely worthy of this spot, so... Definitely uh, definitely a good pick there at 13. Number 14 is Bryce Harper. Um, you know, he's one of my MCMs, Man Crush Monday. Um, had a, another awesome season this year um, to the tune of 35 home runs, 100, RBI, or 100 runs, and 84 RBIs, 309 average. Really his best season since that MVP year. Um, just did everything really well. And, um, you know, he's, he's that kind of player. Um, he could easily be someone's number one pick. Um, I don't know if he really makes it into the upper, you know, top six, but I think, you know, he could be in the top 10 to 12 range um, by the end of draft season. You know, it's all about preference. Obviously, if you're picking 10th, you know, you might go in a different direction, hoping that he's going to be there on the back end for some reason, just Everyone seems to discount what he does, but I'm a huge fan. So uh, happy to see that he's, you know, getting a little respect and uh, up here at number 14. Um, number 15 on our initial ADP here is Max Scherzer and um, easily could be the number one pitcher in baseball. I think right now, you know, you might be a little hesitant. Teams might be a little hesitant to draft him because it's like, well, where is he going to end up? Um, cause he's a free agent. So that might be playing a little part here, but I think once he signs, there might be a little bit more confidence instilled and he could potentially move into the first round. Um, but 15, it's a happy, happy spot for him. He does have a max of seven. So someone, you know, felt pretty strongly and pushed him up as their number one pick. People do, you know, do make emphasis on pitching sometimes early. So that could be a strategy that gets employed with Max Scherzer here as well. But right now he's sitting nicely at number 15. 
Um, number 16, Mike Trout. You know, this is the lowest I think he's ever been. It's all about health with him. So if he's healthy, then I think he's going to, you know, make moves um, higher and higher on this list. Obviously, um, right now, we just we just didn't see him. He never came back this past season. I think it had a lot to do with them falling out of contention towards the end of the year. Otherwise, we might have seen him at the um, end of the season. But right now, I think, you know, this is a, this is a good valuation. I think, you know, if you get, you know, a healthy season of Mike Trout and you're taking him as your second-round pick, wow, like that is um, – that could potentially work out really well for you. Um, so – I would um, pair him maybe with one of those starters or try to, you know, get a get a guy that's going to be a little bit more of a steals source for you. I think that he's a good pairing with him. Mike Trout, you know, probably not going to be running more than the last time we saw him in a healthy season. You know, he, you know, I think he can turn it on when he wants to, but I think the coaching staff has been like kind of holding him back. Like, Hey, we need to stay healthy. He's been hurt on the bases before we've seen the steal numbers, you know, kind of go down and down throughout the years here. So I think he could stick in this range. Um, hopefully, you know, he's healthy. And if you can get him here, you know, you're going to be stoked if you get that healthy uh, Mike Trout season. He's gone as late as 29. So, man, if people are letting him slide that far, it's too tempting. Not You know, like it's too tempting to take him, right? Like how could you pass him up with your third-round pick, let, her, let alone your second-round pick? I just don't don't see how that's possible. So. Very enticing there at 16 with Mike Trout. Uh, number 17, Freddie Freeman. Coming off a World Series championship. Solid, solid player. Uh, can't hate the game. You know, he's going to hit 300. He's going to hit 30 home runs. Scores 120, drives in 83. Not much of a steal source, but just a good anchor for your uh, lineup and for your hitters. Um, obviously, he's a free agent. I do believe he'll end up back with the Atlanta Braves. I just don't see how they let him walk away. But, you know, uh, this is always kind of where he is. Just middle of the second round, solid pick, and um, nothing wrong with picking Freddie Freeman here at 17. Uh, number 18 is Luis Robert. I'm making a little bit of a jump here. Um, you know, he had a good season, definitely cut off, cut down on the strikeouts. Average was really high. You know, it was a shortened season, so we don't really know if maybe things would average out and he'd be, you know, less prolific than he was. But what you got out of him was pretty stellar. So if we extrapolate, you know, the extrapolation game is kind of dangerous, but if you extrapolate that over a full season and he can hit for that high an average, 338, and uh, steal you... 15 to 20 bases, pop, you know, 27 to 30 home runs. That's a player you want, and he's going to score a bunch of runs and RBIs in that lineup. Um, just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, you're boosting his value a little bit, but I, um, you know, I think he could be a worthy gamble. You know, in the minors, he was, you know, almost legendary kind of stuff. 30-30 um, seasons with a 300 average, 330 average. So we've seen that kind of potential from him, and uh, maybe it's starting to come to fruition in the majors. So Luis Robert is your number 18 in ADP right now. Um, Brandon Woodruff is clocking at number 19. Love Brandon Woodruff. I have him in the Dynasty League, and just a just a solid, solid season from him. Um, 
really was vying for like SP1 for a lot of the year. Didn't get the wins, but 211 Ks, 2.56 ERA, just, you know, a solid season from uh, Brandon. Again, cakewalk division. That's what I keep thinking about with these Brewers pitchers. Man, they're going to have a lot of easy matchups. So maybe we try to target Freddie Peralta is going a little bit later. You still get a piece of that Milwaukee rotation, but you get one that's, you know, a little bit later, a lot of upside. Um, we just, you know, don't know with Peralta specifically about like an innings limit. So I think you do have to be a little careful there. But Brandon Woodruff at 19, great value, good pick. Um, nothing wrong with that one there. Um, Rafael Devers, um, great season. Again, young player, um, 38 home runs, 100 100, 280 average. He'll give you a few steals. Uh, we'll take that. And he's still really young, he's still coming into his own. Kind of had a weird start to the season, but really finished strong and, um, you know, a good pick at 20. I think third base is a little more of a scarce position this season compared to other years. So getting a high-end third baseman might not be a bad choice here in the second round. His range is pretty narrow. Um, so, you know, you're going to have to take him with, you know, that middle second round pick. Otherwise, he's probably not coming back to you. So that's what you're going to have to do here um, based on this early ADP. Number 21 is Ozzy Albies. And um, good season from Albies. Obviously, we're, you know, freshest stuff in our mind is um, what we saw in the postseason. Um, but, you know, he kind of exploded, uh, I think, from a power standpoint. You know, we thought that, you know, he could maybe be a consistent power hitter. Um, but I don't know that 30 home runs was ever really something we were thinking about. He goes for 100 to 100, 30 home runs, 20 stolen bases. The average is a little bit down from what we're used to from Albies, but you know I haven't done a deep dive looking into the numbers. If maybe there's a reason why, um, this is like a perfect spot to take him. Uh, you know he's going to contribute almost in every category we need in a rotisserie format. So you know a good valuation here with your second round pick at number 21, and that was again Ozzy Albies. Uh, 22 Zach Wheeler. Um, Another solid solid season uh, out of Zach. Uh, another solid season. I should say, this is the season that we were hoping for, right? Because the potential was always there. Uh, last season, he did pitch well, but it was a shortened season, so we just didn't really know if that's you know what we could see coming into this year. And you know, he was maybe one of the best. He was the best pitcher in baseball at one point during the season. A little bit more return to the mean, return to the average, but. Uh, 277 ERA, one whip, 247 strikeouts in a 213 innings. I mean, just he was out there dealing, going deep into games, gave you 14 wins. Just a stellar season from Zach Wheeler. Um, I think this is a good spot for him. Um, you know, I don't know. He, he might be one of those guys I like a little bit more than um, – some of the other guys we're going to talk about, Brandon Woodruff, you know, potentially. I could see them kind of flip-flopping uh, in drafts um, with maybe some preference there. But, ooh, there was always this feeling that potentially he could have a season like he just had um, and be that dominant for a whole year, and he finally did it. So good, good on him, but um, very interested to see where he kind of goes in drafts. He's looking like he, his range is pretty narrow right now, staying in the second round and kind of early into the third round. So we'll see if that sticks or if he moves up or down 
going, uh, getting a little closer to 2022. We're going to pause and uh, talk a little bit in depth about our guy Cedric Mullins, who is currently sitting on an ADP of 23 after going uh, after pick 300 last season. So people were getting him way late in drafts. Or, you know, depending on how shallow your league was, they were just picking up off, off waivers. But he really produced this season. Uh, 291 average, 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases, 91 runs and 59 RBIs. And I'm really interested to see if they do anything with lineup construction and try to move him down a little bit to get more production out of him. He basically led off for all of 2021. And I think Brandon Hyde, you know, has an opportunity to maybe do something a little bit different. Um, I think Austin Hayes might be a better fit, you know, at number one and maybe drop Mullins down at two just to give him a little more RBI potential because this team needs help scoring runs. I mean, he can't be just solo shots from Cedric Mullins to kick off the game, which we saw so much this year. So, um, you know, I think teams might have underestimated him, but he just continued to deliver. He was one of the most solid plays this whole season. Um, You know, when we look at his stat cast page, there isn't a ton that jumps out. Um, He does, you know, have elite speed. And uh, I think, you know, one thing I do see here that, you know, he did make a pretty sizable improvement was in the the amount of barrel balls he hit this season. Um, So just doing that at a higher rate, getting better contact, uh, his 8.1 percentage was, you know, not going to put him anywhere close to the tops in the league. But for him, that's a almost 300% improvement from last season, you know. And I don't – you're just getting the barrel of the ball, hitting it harder with more consistency. I, I, you know, it's doing wonders for him, obviously. I don't think anyone in the universe at the beginning of this season could have told you, yeah, Cedric Mullins, bake, bake in 30 home runs into his projections. Like, that is not what the expectation was. So, um I will say when it comes to his home runs, you know, they're not no doubters, but they're not wall scrapers either. You know, he he did hit the ball with, you know, a little bit more authority this season. So the other thing I did notice that he changed from years prior is he, I guess, used to be a switch hitter. And this year he exclusively hit lefty. So I don't know if that was beneficial to his overall numbers, you know, not having to focus and switch between the different sides of the plate, you know, I some guys did it pretty well. Chipper Jones, to name one, um, but um, it's not for everyone. So I know that there have been players in the past that, you know, have changed and not switch it anymore and just went lefty or righty. And so maybe that did help him a little bit as well. So interesting thing to think about there. Um, not sure if it actually contributed to this production, but... Um, just an exciting year from Cedric Mullins. Happy that he gets this valuation. Don't know if I'm willing to pay it. I don't know why I wouldn't. 30-30, right? Um, if he does it again, he's probably a first-rounder next year. So maybe this is the last chance to jump on the Cedric Mullins train and get a discount. So we'll have to look into that one a little bit more. Uh, our next player to round up the second round is Starling Marte. And uh, Marte had a pretty solid season, bounced between a couple different teams. He played for Miami. Then he got traded midseason to Oakland and didn't slow down on the base pass at all. 47 stolen bases, hit to the th- tune of a 310 average, um, 12 home runs, 89 R- 
89 runs and 55 RBIs, you know, just a solid season. Obviously, that stolen base potential is really what we're hunting here in the second round. Um, you're trying to get players that can, you know, really contribute in that um, particular stat category because steals are so scarce. Um, and so he's definitely going to contribute there. I'm interested to see what ends up happening with him, where he goes. He is a free agent, so seeing where he where he falls um, should be interesting. Hopefully he doesn't go to the Yankees, which is a team that doesn't steal bases at all. Um, but that that could bake in a little bit, like where we're going to draft him. I think he's probably still at worst, you know, back end of the third round, beginning of the fourth round. So good valuation. Interesting start for Starling Marte here at 24. Number 25, first player being taken off the board in the third round on average is Jacob DeGrom. And this solely has to do with, you know, health. If he's healthy, he could be the best pitcher in the sport. But right now, he, you know, no one really knows if he is or is not healthy. And until we start hearing different stuff, you know, I think um, we have to just wait and see. So I think I've talked plenty about Jacob DeGrom, and I think, you know, as we get into the offseason more and more, we can talk more about him. But there's no real news, new news coming out about him. So I think it's a perfect place to leave it, that one there. Manny Machado coming in at 26. Solid season from my boy here playing third base in San Diego. 28 home runs, 106 RBIs, 92 runs, 278 average, 12 stolen bases. Just a little bit of everything. Sprinkle a little salt all over that dish. He's great. Amazing defender. But, you know, going to contribute in all five Roto categories. He's moving down a little bit from last season. Might see that change. You know, he might start to move up people's draft boards just because he's so reliable. Availability is very important when we're talking about this. The dude plays nearly every game, um, every season. So, you know, I think you can almost bake in 600 at-bats, which you just can't do it for a lot of other players. And that's, you know, that's important. Consistency and availability. If you can do those two things, that's a better start than half the league. So, um, you know, this is a fair evaluation for Manny Machado here at 26. And I I think it's a good spot to take him. Marcus Simeon is coming in at number 27. And Marcus had had a really big year, really kind of validated his MVP season from a couple of seasons ago. Or, well, sorry, I don't think he actually won the MVP, but he was a finalist. Um, and uh, he hits 45 home runs, 100-100, 15 stolen bases, 265 average. He is second base and shortstop eligible. My guess is he probably is going to be used as a second baseman for most people. Um, you know, the, he's got a pretty wide disparity in his range of where he's being drafted. The highest someone took him is 16, so almost firmly in the second round, kind of, you know, brushing up against the first round. And he's been taken as low as 42. So pretty wide range there, um, you know, from a guy that if everything goes right, we've seen what he can do. Um, I do think, you know, if he could end up in a good hitter environment, that would help. Um, obviously, you saw kind of, I think, the peak. I think this was probably the best possible season. Maybe an uptick, a little bit of an average as possible. But I don't know if, you, if you're looking for much more than that. I don't know that you can really expect it. So I think you got to be happy with where he's going. And taking him there is a good spot. 
And you just hope that right now, at least, he signs with a team in a good hitter's ballpark. So Marcus Simeon at 27, good spot for him. This is going to be another inflection point for us, number 28, Julio Urias. And I you know, want to kind of dig into Julio a little bit more. He jumps up 80, so- 80 spots to number 28 compared to last season. And this is a really nice valuation for this youngster who really got an opportunity to stick in the rotation and – He did the most he could with it. Um, He has long been touted as, you know, an upper echelon prospect. He made it to the majors at 19 years old. And um, it feels like he's been in the league forever. It's because he kind of has, but he's still so young. And um, really, he's doing so many different things correct. Um, But the best skill I think he has is really limiting hard contact. In his 185 uh, innings, he only gave up 19 home runs. Um, Part of the reason he is so successful is he really gets guys to expand the zone with his curveball. And uh, he is second in curveball percentage, so the actual usage of that pitch, uh, behind only Charlie Morton. And among qualified starting pitchers, he ranks seventh in out-of-the-zone swing percentage and 13th in whiff percentage. So... Getting a lot of swing and misses, and he's getting guys to really expand the zone. That pitch is probably his favorite. He likes to throw it, you know, down and into righties, and you know, guys are just swinging over the top and missing. Found a lot of success this season, and uh, the fact of the matter is, he's really blossoming into an elite starting pitcher. I think he's got a rotation spot going into next season. Obviously, the fantasy community is, you know, observing that and buying into that. Last season, 20 wins, 195 Ks, 2.96 ERA, and a 1.02 whip. I think he could be you know, someone's first pitcher. I think he could be a solid number two, SP2. Um, so very curious to see if he even gets pushed up a little bit higher. Um, his range is pretty wide right now, too. 21 is a high and 40 is a low. So I, I, I think he's moving up, though, I, based on, you know, I just think as we get closer to the season, typically starting pitching starts to get boosted a little bit. Guys, you know, go out in spring training. They look good. They're dominant. Um, you know, people want to lock in a balanced um, approach when they're drafting. So they'll go pitcher-hitter or hitter-pitcher, and he could be someone's SP1 and maybe go up into the second round. So Julio Arias there, 28. Shane Biba, uh, number 29, definitely getting pushed down boards a little bit because of the health concerns. You know, he did come back at the end of the season, but we just didn't really see enough of him to really get anything tangible from it. He missed nearly three months. So he made a couple of starts and didn't look great, didn't look awful. So... Don't really know what to make of him. That's the reason he's getting pushed down here to 29. So I think people are just a little leery right now. They're going to wait and see on Shane Bieber. But as we get closer to the actual season, I think you could see him move up a little bit as well. Number 30, our first reliever, and this is Josh Hader. Uh, I'm actually going to come back to him and the guy that's taken two picks after him in just a minute. So Josh Hader at number 30. Whit Merrifield, I believe, not your AL stolen base leader, but he was, yeah, he was in the tops in the league with 40 stolen bases. Great contributor in runs, 
good solid average 277 um, you know not really going to give you much in the way of home runs I would say but he really turned it on this year on the base pass and stole a bunch of bases helped a lot with uh, one of my teams um, he is second base and outfield eligible which on the NFBC means you can use him in middle infield and um, you know and potentially in the outfield so I, it's that position flexibility is really important to have on your teams, especially when injuries start to occur. If you have guys that can move around, you can kind of formulate lineups that um, are almost bulletproof. Like they, no matter what happens, you can still fill in spots if things happen. Obviously, you can always hit the wire and use Fab to get players on free agency, but um, having the position flexibility within your roster uh, really doesn't create limitations on what you can do. And um, it, it makes it that much easier to kind of move guys in and out, especially hot and cold streaks and when injuries occur. It's just so clutch to have that position flexibility. So interesting thing, he's at 31. I like that valuation. I feel like he might get pushed down a little bit because really it's just the steals that we're looking at. But it's not like Marte is going to stick where he is. Maybe Whit Mer- Merrifield can as well. So Whit Merrifield at 31. Number 32, Liam Hendricks. I'm going to talk about him and Josh Hader in tandem because I think um, there's something interesting going on. This is the highest I've ever seen relievers going in the NFBC. And maybe last year, I ha- I'm not really remembering you know some of the early data. I was looking at ADPs early on. I don't remember if these guys were going this high. I don't feel like they were. But I got a case to be made as to why maybe they should, especially Liam Hendricks based on last year's numbers. So, First, Josh Hader, uh, and Josh Hader and Liam Hendricks have made their way into the third round, and I think you're seeing a trend overall, as you'll see as we go through this, that relief pitchers are being pushed up, specifically elite closers, and really the truth of the matter is the upper echelon closers pretty much produce like mid-tier starters, and uh, they contribute really heavily to the one of the more scarcer stat categories, and that's saves. If we look at these two guys in particular, and both have been dominant, um, so you know there's, it's not like they're, you know, getting pushed up without reason. But you can see the possibilities, you know, unfold with these guys. I feel like a top thirty-six pick, top three rounds might be a little heavy, especially for Josh Hader. But he did manage to, you know, have a pretty solid season: four wins, thirty-four saves. 102 Ks with a 1.23 ERA and a 0.84 WHIP. You know, four of those categories are really elite for his position, and then the you know, three of them are good for any pitcher though. So that's kind of going to be my case here is that the Ks, you know, they don't quite stack up on a per innings basis. These elite relievers are better than the starters though. He's going to give you, you know, he should be in the top five top eight for saves and then the era and whip is just so elite those averages are so hard to get back once you've blown them up with you know your starters and having a reliever like this really can kind of weigh them down a little bit because um, you want to keep those numbers as low as possible liam Hendricks, i think is even a stronger case for you know what i'm about to present and really it's that you could kind of compare compare them to those mid-tier starting pitchers so Liam Hendricks gave us eight wins, 38 saves, and 113 Ks 
with a 2.54 ERA and 0.73 whip. Very low whip, no walks, love it. Um, so he's elite really in four categories and really good in five. And the case I'm going to make to you guys, it's it's kind of an apples to oranges comparison because we're going to talk about two different years, two different players, but it's not perfect. But I think last season I have a pretty good um, case to make that a move like this could make sense. So in our most successful league where we went pitcher heavy, we drafted Lucas Giolito as our second starter. Hendricks is his teammate, so that could make this comparison a little little more fun. But Lucas Giolito had an okay season, I would say. Definitely under-delivered for his draft position. Uh, in this specific league, I went back, looked at the um, draft data, and we took him as our SP2 with pick number 20. So that's 12 spots higher than Hendricks is going now. Lucas Giolito last season pitched 178 innings and gave us 201 Ks. But his ERA was 3.53 and his whip was 1.10. He ended up only winning 11 games in his 31 starts. And ultimately, I think I think, I think, think that's a subpar season for him. And based on where he was going in fantasy. Um, between you know his pick last season, which we took him 20th overall, and Liam Hendricks right now, whose current ADP is 32... Who's the more valuable, uh, especially when we're talking about in the context of a Roto League? I think you can make the case that the saves in a much more dominant ERA and whip, the whip especially, uh, but I think you can say those are much more beneficial to your roster than the extra strikeouts you get. And by the way, again, strikeouts per inning, right? Liam Hendricks is still delivering a lot of strikeouts for his position. And if he pitched more innings, he would get you more strikeouts. But 115-ish strikeouts from a reliever is great. You can find strikeouts easier than you can the saves, right? It's hard to pick up someone on the waiver wire. You might have one or two a season that you know get to 25 saves. And then the whip, like to have an elite closer like that, you know, with a whip that low, um, it's just so valuable. So the wins, you know, this is the thing that eats me up too. The wins, it's like a marginal difference. Eight wins, three wins. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather take the eight wins or take three less wins and get the 38 saves. Um, I, You know, I think there's a case to be made that these closers deserve these valuations um, and that they, they might be worth that that high of a pick the guys that are truly elite and I think those two are very different they separate themselves Josh Hader you know the difference between four wins and Lucas Giolito's 11 wins that's pretty big seven wins is a huge difference is the seven wins a big enough difference if Josh Hader is providing 34 saves I don't know um and I think it's an interesting case to make so you know, you, you to be competitive in saves, you still gotta. You know, you have to have just as many wins as saves. You you almost need ninety of both to compete in these rotisserie leagues. Um, so you can't just let one go away and you know let 
you know, you can't draft well in one and then not draft well in the other. You kind of have to have a balance. But what I'm saying is, you know, these clo- elite closers perform just as well as some of those, you know, fifth tier starters in regards to the wins, but they perform better than some of your SP twos and threes in regards to the ratios. And definitely, you know, they're providing saves, um, which is the reason, main reason we're drafting them. So I think there's a case to be made that they deserve these valuations is my point. And I don't think it's totally insane to take them this high. So just to recap, Josh Hader, 30, Whit Merrifield, 31, Liam Hendricks, 32. Um, Salvador Perez comes in at number 33. Aaron Nola is 34. He's getting pushed down a little bit. Tim Anderson's 35. Teoscar Hernandez comes in at 36, and he is rounding out the third round. We go into the beginning of the fourth round. Chris Sale, a healthy Chris Sale is what we're looking for here. He could he could definitely deliver on the value there at 37. Jordan Alvarez is coming in early at 38. Robbie Ray is 39. And uh, my boy that I was just talking about, Lucas Giolito, is at 40. Sandy Alcantara, this is an exciting player, right? Young guy, um, still coming into his own, um, but really delivered this past season. You know, it sucks the amount of losses he took, but he definitely pitched way better than that. 3.19 ERA, 1.07 whip, 200 Ks in 205 innings. Um, You know, just a solid season from Sandy, and I think, you know, he could start to make his way up boards a little bit more too as people start to push pitching up. Especially in front of this group that we just talked about, Lucas Giolito specifically, I think he could move past him. I think people might be a little bit higher on Alcantara. Xander Bogarts is at 42. Aaron Judge early here at 43. Um, you know, I like this value. Last year he was going a little bit later. Healthy season, we see it. And now we're like, okay, well, let's move him back up a little bit. 39 home runs, 287 average, 98 RBIs, 89 runs. You know, delivers six stolen bases. It's a little bit of a little bit of sprinkles of everything, um, but we saw the home runs and the power come back, and that's what we want from him. So I think that's why people are getting a little eager to push him up boards. Matt Olson is at forty four. Trevor Story, ooh, getting pushed down. This probably has a lot to do with, you know, where's he going to end up? Twenty twenty potential. Um, you know, he's playing a terrible lineup, and he's still. You know, delivered okay stats, I think, is pretty underwhelming for where you took him compared to what he used to do. But no lineup protection, man. When you're playing that Colorado Rockies lineup, like, you can get pitched around now. And if he doesn't, you know, I don't think he's coming back. Um, He declined the qualifying offer, actually, so he's going to hit free agency. But I just, um, I think if he gets in the right lineup context, like, he he could really take off. Home road splits don't look great, so we'll see. Maybe he still ends up in a hitter-friendly park and still can deliver some kind of 20-20 upside. Then you would want to take him here at 45. So I think that's a good number, a good valuation for him. Wander Franco, 46. Um, You know, okay debut. Um, I think people were maybe expecting a little bit more um, from a power potential side, you know, perspective. But, you know, not bad. 288 average, 53 runs, 7 home runs, 39 RBIs. He's one of the few guys in that Rays lineup that's going to play every day. Um, you know, he's you know, the second coming. So here he is, and uh, I think 46 is a fair valuation, not baking in, you know, too much too much upside and leaving a little room for error there. 
You know, I think he's he's going to be a solid player, but we'll see. You know, I don't know if he's going to be prolific 30-25 guy. So I think, you know, you're baking in a little bit of downside there. I think that might be the appropriate thing to do with him too. Number, sorry, number 47 is Randy Arozarena. He had a 2020 season. He's your rookie of the year, even though he's played for the past three seasons. Um, he didn't accumulate enough. Regular season at bats in those three seasons or the two prior seasons to get he still had rookie eligibility so good for him ninety four runs sixty nine RBIs two seventy four average solid season um, you know it's funny because he can hit ten home runs in a number of you know seven or eight games in the postseason but in the regular season didn't see that uptick so but he's got a little mojo there he's you know he's doing something right in the playoffs so uh, you know that's the last thing people remember twenty twenty type season is worth, you know, a fourth round pick. So I think that's a fine valuation for Randy Orozarena. We alluded to him earlier, Freddie Peralta. This might be a guy I target a lot. Again, going to be in kind of a cushy division. Didn't walk a lot of guys. Um, strikeouts were immense in the amount of innings he pitched, 195 Ks, 144 innings. Um, you know, offensively, this team really let these starters down a bit. Um, these you know, those top three pitched really well, and they didn't accumulate the amount of wins they should have. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking for getting a piece of that rotation. I think he's going to be the guy I target most. Love him here as, like, an SP2. Maybe he's your ace, too. I mean, we'll see. There's a lot of guys you're getting discounts on right now. So I'm curious to see, you know, where some of these guys that are going in this range end up once we get a little closer to the beginning of the season. So I like Freddie Peralta here at 48. Jack Flaherty coming in at 49. Um, you know, I, I kind of a weird season. Overall, the numbers look okay, but it just, you know, it didn't go the way we wanted. He got hurt a couple different times throughout the season and never was really able to make that full comeback. So um, I think baking in a little bit of downside here, um, but I think this is a nice range to take him because there is still that upside. He was in a groove two years ago and basically the best pitcher in baseball for a period of 12 starts. So he has that kind of potential. I don't know if it's going to extrapolate over a full season, but I think this is a good spot to take Jack Flaherty here at 49. Number 50 is Francisco Lindor. And, um, you know, just a really down year for this guy. Perennial, you know, top 10 pick in fantasy really underwhelmed and underdelivered. He had an oblique injury that kind of just shut down his season for the most part. He did come back at the very end of the season, but never really looked um, never really looked healthy um, for most of the year. Um, so kind of a disappointing year uh, for Francisco Lindor. He's going to be a Met. He's going to be in that lineup. Um, hopefully he can, you know, with good health, make some adjustments and get back to the player he was. His range is a little wide right now. He's going as high as 38 and as late as 61. So you're taking a gamble, but I think you know he might be a worthy gamble. He's still fairly young. I believe he's 20. Yeah, he's 28. So kind of entering the prime here, but a worthy gamble. I feel you know a little hesitant. You can hear it in my voice, but I think it's a worthy gamble to take on Francisco Lindor. 51 is Tyler O'Neill who kind of had a coming-out party this season. Uh, 34 home runs, 80 and 80. 286 average, 15 stolen bases. He's a tank. When you see this guy, he's just, he's just built. Like, he's ripped. Um, 
just you know looks the part. Um, he's you know he's a stud. So I think you know you got a good player, good outfielder. You're baking in some steals um, and uh, uh, some pretty big power potential. So I think this is a good spot to take. Tyler O'Neill, number fifty-one. Probably the most controversial player from last season. And going into this season, I assume it will be the same. Adelberto Montesi is number 52. And um, he has the widest range I've seen so far. He's gone as high as pick 18. And he's gone as low as pick 82. People don't know how to feel about him. He's going to move over to third base and make way for Bobby Witt. In his time, when he did play, he was still stealing bases. Plenty of them, 15 stolen bases um, over how many games did he play? Yeah, he had 126 at-bats, so, you know, a month's worth of the games, he still was stealing bases plenty. The average was pretty low. He's, you know, not going to walk a lot. He did pop six home runs, not bad. Uh, that's probably like a 25 homer pace. But, again, the steals is what we're chasing. It was just such a frustrating thing to be a manager, be, you know, and be invested in this guy last season because he just, you know, had setback after setback. He had these oblique injuries, and he just never could really make it back. When he finally did make it back, it was, you know, kind of too little too late. Most people took him with their second or third round picks, and that's a lot to invest in a guy that doesn't play most of the season. So you didn't get the value out of Adelberto Mondesi, which sucks because, you know, there's a lot of talent there, and, you know, we'd kind of dream on it, but... I think this is a you're baking in the downside. Um, I might wait a little bit longer to take him just because I, you know, I just want to see. There's all these different reports, you know, they're you know their GMs saying he might not be a full time player and this that and the other. And it's like, well, okay, is this guy part of you know your your future going forward? Is he going to you know be an everyday player? It looks like they are going to give him you know a couple more chances here to prove himself, but. Interesting valuation. I think he probably is going to move down here. Yeah, but right now he's at 52. Coming in at 53 is Kevin Gosman, and he had a prolific season. Um, really sort of put it all together. Uh, we saw little glimpses of it last season, but uh, this year 14 wins, 2.81 ERA, 1.04 whip, uh, 227 Ks, and 192 innings. Just really dominant for the San Francisco Giants. And now – he hits the free agent market, and he's going to get to go wherever he is going to get paid the most. So I think this is, um, you know, good for this young man. He was stuck in Baltimore for all those years and just never could put it all together. But this year it finally, you know, came to fruition. And he um, he's going to have some opportunity. He could be uh, receiving a pretty big payday in the near future. So um, interested to see where this guy goes. If he goes into a good hitter or a good hitter environment, maybe he sticks right around here. If he, you know, goes into a pitcher friendly park, I think you could see him move up a little bit. I think he's one of those guys that people are going to be excited to draft. So 53, Kevin Gosman. Number 54, this is my, this is my favorite player. One of my favorites, uh, George Springer. Um, he he was hurt, you know, for a good portion of the season. But man, when he's healthy, he just he goes off and his his six hundred at bat pace is a hundred runs, hundred RBIs, eight stolen bases, forty four home runs. Like that guy in this round is, you know, you. you, you 
and he's gonna be in Toronto playing in that hitter's environment. Man, like I just dare to dream with George Springer, and I, you know, I am gonna be so happy to take him in this round. He's a guy I'm going to be targeting, and I think you know I'll be excited to get him back on my teams. Um, he's gonna be in the middle of a great, or he might be leading off in that great lineup, but plenty of run scoring opportunities, and um, you know, just a solid, solid all around fantasy player in George Springer. Number fifty-five, J.T. Romuto. You know, he had a he had a solid season. Um, I wouldn't call it a standout, but. You know, it's tough because with these catchers, it's like you'll just take what you can get. I think the home run, home run, um, you know, output was not great, 17 home runs. But none of these guys play, you know, every game. He, he had maybe the most at-bats um, for a catcher in the National League. And, um, you know, he, he amassed 64 runs, 73 RBIs, 263 average. Like, you'll take that, but it's crazy that we have to put those stats, you know, if you put those stats on an outfielder or a third baseman, you're pushing that guy way down. But the position scarcity at catcher is, you know, keeping him afloat this high. You know, he's moving down compared to last year. So I think you could continue to see that trend um, just because it was kind of an underwhelming year. But interesting valuation here early on for JT Real Muto. Nick Castellanos comes in at number 56 and, um, you know, really drastic home road splits. But when you look at the Total body of work, really solid season. This was, you know, something that I think people thought Nick could do. Uh, 95 runs, 34 home runs, 100 RBIs, 309 average. Like it all came together. Um, and uh, he did play in Great American Small Park. So we'll see. He is a free agent. He opted out of his deal. So we'll see where he ends up. I think that kind of plays a part there. Hopefully he goes, a, uh, you know, another hitter's park and um, gets the opportunity to. Uh, play somewhere that's going to be beneficial for him because I think that really will impact his value. I like him here. You know, I I don't know if I'll get him here because there's a lot of players like in this range. So uh, that's uh, Nick Castellanos at number 56. Austin Riley, everyone's remembering the postseason heroics, um, but he had a great regular season as well. 33 home runs, 107 RBIs, 91 runs. 303 average. He's not going to contribute in steals, but those four things he does very well. So, you know, third base is kind of a position of scarcity. I think he's a great player to target. I like him better than Castellanos. Interesting to see if I take him over George Springer, though, because I love George Springer. Um, so hopefully I can get them both, actually. Let's see if I can get them both in some of these drafts. Uh, so I think, you know, going after those two guys in this range, I love this range. Uh, this is a This is a fun one for me, so... That's Austin Riley at number 57. Logan Webb, the youngster, comes out, has a great season. 301 ERA, 1.1 whip, 11 wins, 158 Ks, 148 innings. You know, just solid rotation piece for the San Francisco Giants. He's going to be back next season. He does have a wide range right now. This is kind of interesting. 41 is the high and 99 is the is the low. So I don't know if people are not really buying into what Logan Webb was spinning there, but he looked pretty good um, from the starts that I did watch. Um, you know, the playoffs, he had a couple pretty big starts. Um, so I'm curious why he's getting pushed down. I don't know if it's just underwhelming with the strikeouts. You know, he's not a huge strikeout guy. Yeah, I don't see why people aren't willing to take him where he's going, but 
that's you know that that one that minimum of 99 kind of is interesting to me so we'll see if he starts to move up or down i think it might be a little bit down but i i like him in this range as well lance lynn steady eddie his name is Eddie, but it's lance but he is steady um 2.69 era 1.07 whip 11 wins 176 k's and 157 innings you know, just another solid season from Lance Lynn. He did have, you know, short spurts where I think he was on the injured list. Let's see here. He only had 28 starts. So, yeah, he missed, you know, four turns through the rotation. But for the most part, he is good for 30. Yeah, even in a year where he gets hurt, he still makes almost 30 starts if we're rounding up. So I think he's just a solid pick. You know, ideally, maybe your SP2. For those guys that are going to wait a little bit longer, you know, you're able to take him in the fifth round here. That's great value. He just always delivers. Like, you know, you need some of that, you know, in your in your roster construction because if you don't have the consistency, you can have the big pop, but then when the lows are low, you don't have anything like keeping you afloat. It's just discouraging. So I think he's a good piece to have on your rosters. Great SP2 here at number 59 overall. The last player we're going to highlight here is Paul Goldschmidt. Um, delivered, man. Good season. 31 homers, 102 runs, 99 RBIs, 294 average, and stolen bases were back a little bit. 12 stolen bases. I'll take that. Um, that's the most since 2017. So I think that's a good season from Paul Goldschmidt. You know, first base, you need a guy with power. If you don't have one of the power-hitting first basemen, you're missing out. And this guy's going to chip in some steals, and he does hit for a high average. He's going to be in a good lineup. He's 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 a he's going into his middle ages here, you know, age thirty four. So there could be you know a little bit of regression, but I, I think you're baking that in because if his name was someone younger, he'd be going higher than this with those numbers, right? Like he'd have to. So I think if you can get that same production out of him, I think you just got to leave him in the lap, set it, forget it. By the time you look at the end of the season, you're pretty happy with what you got out of Paul Goldschmidt. He stays healthy. He's never had any huge health concerns. Um, and I think, like, he's a guy you got to target. Like, you're missing out if you're not considering um, Paul Goldschmidt. I think this is a great value for him here. Again, I love this range. So I guess I'm just going to take all fifth rounders. Uh, no, that's not going to happen, but... Uh, Paul Goldschmidt here to round out the top five rounds at pick number 60. And that is really going to be where we stop the conversation for today. I didn't want to go like super in depth and go like 100 picks in because I could do that and I could sit here and talk for two hours. Um, But I think this is a great place to park the conversation. I appreciate you guys tuning in and sticking this one out. Hearing, you know, this early talk about what's going on with ADP in one of the most competitive formats, the most competitive leagues, the NFBC. Um, This is trends that you're going to see, you know, and I think it's exciting stuff. I love looking forward to this stuff, and um, I'm happy to share it with you guys today. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter, at the Uncut FBP. My name is Zach. I will catch you guys next time. Again, thanks for sticking it out. Yeah. Uh-huh.